2: Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at UH1.com.
0: Hey, before we get the show started, I wanted to let you know we're giving away a bunch of brand new
2: Blackmagic gear. Yeah, cameras, switchers, DaVinci Resolve licenses, a bunch of awesome stuff. So stay tuned to learn how you can enter to win free gear from Black Magic. And we're going to tell you all about it later on in this episode. Now, cue the music. Hey, welcome to the 191st episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. This episode is brought to you by patrons Camry Fox, Glenn, and Jonathan Kirk. I'm Oren Kaplan. And I'm Matt Enlund. Today, we've got Josh McGuire
0: on the show. He's a manager at Underground. And he's here to talk us through all of the different stages of acquiring a manager, working with a manager, and finally taking a TV show or movie out into the marketplace and all the things that he does separate from getting into the room and pitching.
2: Yeah, he's been at this one management company. He's one of the founders of it for 14 years now. So he's a very modest guy, but he has a ton of experience. He was an executive producer on the TV show Heathers. He produced Incarnate for Blumhouse. He has clients write on a bunch of TV shows. One of the creators of the animated show Big Mouth is one of his clients. He's got like a lot of awesome things. He's doing a new TV show about Navy SEALs. And yeah, I think he's like a wealth of information. and Yeah,
0: so open, so generous. It's really been great.
2: Yeah, it's funny. I feel like we kind of approach this interview with two types of listeners in mind. The first type is the one that think is kind of a newer writer director and thinks that they need a manager, and we talk a lot about how you get a manager and when you get a manager and why you get a manager. right. Uh, and then the, the other half of the interview is, you have a manager now, how do you use them? Yeah, what's the relationship supposed to be like? So hopefully it's helpful for any type of listener.
0: If you're new to the show and you haven't listened to our episode with Jacob Perlin, we'll put that a link to that in the show notes. I think that's another really great. Primer to this conversation. Jacob is Oren's manager, and we go through a lot of similar topics, but I think, you know, Jacob has obviously his own perspective on things. And so we reference what we learned and talked about and the way that our listeners have reacted to that episode over the course of the year or two since we put it up. And so it might be helpful and fun if you're in the mood to. Listen to two hours worth of managers talking. This is a, another great one to listen to as well.
2: Yeah. And it, it's definitely, we talk about managers and managing from the perspective of a filmmaker. A hundred percent. Yeah. I think, you know, we got so many emails and still are getting emails
0: uh, about the Jacob episode. And so that really informed our perspective in terms of really hammering certain questions and topics with Josh that we felt like. Would We'd be saw. helpful. Yeah, yeah. It would be helpful and, and things that you, you know, literally had asked
2: us um, over the last two years. Yeah. And just a lot of my own personal misconceptions <laughs> about what a manager sure. does. Yeah. We're learning right along with you, everybody. Well, cool. Before we start talking to Josh, we wanted to remind you that we have a Patreon page. Patreon is where you can show us that you like the podcast. Throw us a dollar a month. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash just shoot it pod and you can check out all the the various things you can do if you become a patron you also get to come to our live events for free and we are going to have one of those soon we're figuring out the next one and you can also get a just shoot it hat for ten dollars if you're a ten dollar a month person and that is a perfect hat that when you're on set if uh people aren't working you just like point to the hat and then you just tell them to do what it says on your hat and they will do it, and your movie will be amazing, and you'll win awards, and you'll get into Sundance, and movie stars will beg to be in your projects, and, you know. Yeah. At least that's what has happened to... To every person who's ever worn one
0: of those hats. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Guaranteed. Yeah. So thanks, everyone. Check out patreon.com justshootitpod if you want to throw us a couple bucks. And while you're doing that, why don't you hop on over to iTunes and write us an iTunes review. Or if you don't have a ton of money, or if you want to do both,
2: that's another way that you can help the show out. So, um, hey, not to interrupt, but hot off the presses, we got two new iTunes reviews. They it just came in. Whoa. These things are flowing in like you can't believe. Uh, and for every iTunes review you put, we will we have a donor that is uh, is going to write a matching iTunes review. We have a uh, Tom Hanks just called. <laughs> He's going to. Uh, for every one iTunes review you write, he'll write another iTunes review. That's crazy. It's wow. the Tom it's, Hanks? A, it's an NPR pledge drive parody, okay? Oh, That's okay. what I'm going for. Oh, I see. Now I get it. Cool. Should we get into the show? I think we should. Hey, we're here with Josh Turner-McGuire.
1: Hi, guys.
0: Hey, hey, welcome. Josh from Underground Management, is that right?
1: Yes, uh, just underground, but yeah.
0: Oh, okay. Well, but it is a management company. It
1: is. We are a management and production company.
0: Underground management, LLC. No, I'm teasing. Inc? I
1: think we're an S-Corp. sure you file as an (laughs) S-Corp,
0: but you probably formed as an LLC?
1: Sure. I don't know why you would assume that. that.
0: (laughs) Because it's (laughs) the cheapest, fastest way to do
1: stuff.
2: An LLC? (laughs) Yeah. I think that's not true. I just formed another LLC like two days ago. Yeah, but I formed an S-Corp, and it seemed about the same about as a forming same? an LSE.
1: <laughs> well, I ain't I, no
2: lawyer. Um, uh,
1: I have both, and I have done none of the paperwork, so I can tell you how difficult neither of those is. Perfect. Great, perfect.
2: great managing, Josh. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, tell us what a management slash production company does.
1: Well, we represent writers, directors, actors. Uh, we have a strategic partnership. With a music management company and a, another strategic partnership in the book-to-book space. Uh, and we are... Wait,
2: what's the book-to-book space? Writers, the space in between two books. Exactly. Oh, it's yeah. on
1: a bookshelf where there's like it's a, a space.
2: What's that thing that holds a book? Yeah. A book holder?
1: Uh, ba- <laughs> a book holder. Um, book-to-book is when someone writes a manuscript and it's being sold into the book space. So like to publishers. Yeah, being published. As opposed to to book-to-film, book-to-TV.
2: So, And it's not just called the book space?
1: I'm sure people say that all the time. I call it book-to-book because when I'm selling stuff, it's usually book-to-film or book-to-TV. And there's times where I'm working with a writer who's written something, and then I have to bring on a book agent or take it through uh, one of the agency's book departments to sell it into the publishing world.
2: Okay. That's interesting.
0: Yeah, learning. Uh, this, uh, how nice to have a podcast where you get to learn these. Yeah, things. Where you get to learn
1: all these things. Yeah, uh, um, but yeah, we're we're sort of the all hands on deck. I like to think of it as you know the first line of defense, fiercest critic, strongest ally for all of our clients. If I'm doing my job correctly, I'm the first phone call and you know, the the person who's in both creatively on the business side. Um, sort of running each of my clients' production companies.
0: So I'm curious, actually, how many people are total on your roster, and how many people would you say you kind of deal with as your own clients?
1: Most of the people that are on my uh, my list are just my clients. Mm-hmm. Um, I represent about 25 people, um, and very few of them are people that I share with other managers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the company as a whole, I honestly have no idea how many clients we have. Mm-hmm. Um, but
0: about twenty five per person, would you say?
1: I think there. You know, my my business partner Trevor represents a slightly higher number. Um, I keep my list for a manager. I keep my list relatively small because mm-hmm. I just find I'm able to do my job better mm-hmm. with a smaller group of people. Sure,
2: lean and mean. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So. And I know this is like kind of Hollywood 101, but do you mind giving us a quick uh, sentence or two about the difference between a manager and an agent?
1: Sure. Um, I've always looked at it that an agent is the more transactional side of the business. Um, they're out in the marketplace trying to sell projects and acquire work for their clients, and also are directly involved in negotiating the deals. Uh, your manager is the person who's more, your 365, you know, every single day, you're talking to your manager, you're on the ground in between deals. Um, so if we take a script out, say I take a script out with myself and the agent. And we have a place that's going to step up on it. The agent and the lawyer will negotiate the deal points. And I will be there to help give my comments and uh, talk the client through what's happening. And then once the deal's made, um, I'm servicing the day-to-day of what the client is doing, what's Mm -hmm. happening on the project, in a way that's a little bit more hands-on than the agents tend to be.
0: Right. And that kind of leads into being able to produce as well, right? correct it's kind of like the more fun version of all
1: that <laughs> of work uh, I mean I, I occasionally, you get to get your hands dirty in a different way I get to have my hands dirty but I don't get to wear cool suits every day uh-huh, so sure, sure. wait
2: but you couldn't wear a cool suit if you wanted I to I
1: could but I feel like it just like you stick out like a sore thumb in the management community right I once was at a uh, a panel and I was wearing like I was wearing a nice shirt and a tie and one of the other managers on the panel is like yeah we're the ones who don't wear ties and then gave me like a side <laughs> eye while we were like this guy's no manager yeah, exactly. Guy. exactly what it felt like
0: did you come from the agency world or i didn't you, know. okay so you, so you didn't have a large
2: collection of ties to pull from
1: i didn't no I, I have a few choice ties but not a large collection
2: i have a friend i think i might have told the story for my friend <laughs> who is actually the guy that wrote that script that uh was told he should meet with you 10 years ago um he was working he was a an assistant at this company Bonafide. fide they made um a lot of awesome movies little miss sunshine and all these things and his bosses were like trying to help him figure out what direction he should go and they're like you know you can either go in like the executive direction or more like the writer direction and they and they said, and based on the way you dress every day, we think definitely the writer direction is the way you should, you should angle yourself. Yeah.
1: The, the writer direction tends to be a lot more comfortable. Sure. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. it's a lot of sweats involved. Yeah. A little more
2: plaid, a little more, a few more hoodies. Yeah. yeah for sure. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sneakers. Um, I guess everyone in LA wears sneakers, even with suits. Yeah. But there,
0: there is a noticeable difference of like, if you're, if part of your job is looking cool. But you still have to dress down. I think sneakers are the
2: key indicator in terms of like <laughs> what type of job you do. Yeah. Genuinely, I think Matt has this theory on how directors can look cool. We actually just talked about it last night. He said like a, your bag, your jacket, your sneakers. That's like yeah, what can make a director a cool director or like a not cool director?
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I 100% agree.
2: Look at that. That's 90% of a manager's job, is <laughs> Yes, is looking critique. Cool. Sure, yes,
1: sure. I wardrobe about my clients. Yeah, yeah, yeah I therefore... noticed you
0: brought a, a denim jacket. No yes. enamel pins, though. <laughs> so
1: <laughs> There was one, but someone found it really offensive. So it had to be. It, it,
2: it was just a tiny swastika.
1: <laughs> <laughs> someone gave me a, a middle finger oh, uh, no. that was on my thing for a minute. And then my, I think it was actually one of my colleagues looked at me and goes, you're just going to walk around flicking people off all day? And I was like, <laughs> like, it's fair.
2: It's okay, fair. okay. <laughs> Kids come into this building. <laughs> um, well, so I want to go back to a couple of things you said. One was that, uh, you know, your clients that you do, you serve a certain part of the of the job. for. You, you provide a certain service to your clients and agents provide a different service. And you said you have about 25 clients. Do they all have agents? Or do you think there's like a... a Like I personally only have a manager
0: and I only have an agent.
2: Yeah. Uh, what's the, do you, do you find that like everyone needs both at a certain level?
1: Um, at, at a certain level, I would say most people need both. Um, we're currently at a very odd juncture in the industry where none of my clients currently have agents. Um, but that just has to do with the WGA, the, writers ATA, right. the Writers Guild. The Writers Guild.
2: Do you represent directors too, or just writers? I do.
1: I represent directors. Uh, most of my list is. I'm much more writer heavy. I've always been much more writer heavy. Um, I think it's largely because I just. it's a you know language that I I speak. Um, but yes, at the moment, no one has an agent, and that is uh, that has been an interesting phenomena over the last six months
0: can we talk about that a little bit more because i think it is it has created a weird environment for everyone right i think um and by everyone you mean writers guild members yeah yeah but also like just the nature of making a television show you need a a lot of writers to do that and so um And there are plenty of directors who are also WGA writers and things like that. So like the relationships that people have and also the way that managers are their place in the industry currently, it has kind of maybe shifted as a result of, you know, writers firing their agents in mass.
1: Yeah. I think that's fair to say. I mean, it's definitely, um, it's been an interesting six months. Sure. Yeah. Um, I, I think for us, you know, our, our agency partners not being there. Um, do you miss them? (laughs) I I mean, I'm I'm joking, but but kind of, you know, like, well, I mean, yeah, probably yeah. both personally and professionally. I do. I miss uh, our agency partners. Um, I do, but I think at the end of the day, I work for, I work for my clients and, you know, as much as, I miss having our colleagues at the agencies working with us. It's my job to make sure that my clients are serviced in Mm -hmm. every capacity. And over the last six months, that's meant picking up some of the, some of the things that weren't traditionally in Mm -hmm. a manager's day to day.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And it, well, and I think also like even in circumstances where maybe like, like I am not WGA, so I didn't end up having to fire my agents, but it still made everything there very strange. You know, like I think it's still, still a hard time to take a show out with them. Like you still need them to open some doors and they're kind of like not really um, able to do that work in the way that they used to six months ago. You know, it's not that they're handcuffed, but it's weird, I guess is all I'm saying.
1: Well, yeah, it's, I mean, it's unprecedented and i and the first few months of it, we were all trying to figure out what the rules of engagement are. Mm-hmm. Um, I think now it has – I think a lot of managers are becoming inundated with clients coming in because there are those things where the longer this goes on, people need to continue to do their jobs and need to be able to continue to take shows out and you know be staffed on things. And uh, you know, we're being asked to step in mm-hmm. – um, in a way that I, I don't think we were six months ago. Yeah.
2: Right. Um, well, I wanted to ask you about one other thing you said earlier is that you talk, you're, you know, the agents are kind of there in a transactional sense and you're there like in the day-to-day. You talk to your clients every day. Is that true? Like, do you really, you, t- you talk to your clients like every day?
1: I talk to, I would say I talk to all of my clients at least once a week. Um, all
2: 25 of them.
1: I think so. Yeah. I mean, I'd I'd have to go through my call sheet, sure. but yeah, I think I talk to most of them on a weekly basis and depending on the workload on anybody's plate, um sometimes it means talking to them every single day and multiple times a day. Um and I have a lot of clients who are staffed on TV shows and they once they go away on a show, the amount of times that we're talking drops down a little bit. Um, because they're just they're in a writer's room, they're busy. Um, you know, when it's coming up on the end of their time there and they're starting to look again, or if they're doing development mm-hmm. at the same time as they're working on a show. But yeah, I would say I talk to most of them pretty frequently.
2: And what do you guys talk about?
1: Oh God. I mean it 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 sort of dips into the multiple parts of my job. So it's, you know, part of my job is being an amateur therapist. Part of my job is uh talking a client through, you know, any deal that's coming in, where we are with if we're out with a show, you know, who's stepping up, who's not stepping up on it. Um if someone's coming in with an offer what that means, um prepping them for jobs. A lot of it is giving notes. Um
2: So you read like a lot of their material and then you give notes. Is that part of part of the job?
1: Yeah, tons of it. Uh, A a decent part of my job is development.
2: And then I guess I've I mean, I haven't heard this for a while, but when I first kind of started working in this industry and I had friends getting managers and agents and everything, I had a few friends that were dropped by their managers because they like bugged them too much. And call every day and be like so what's going on where's the work you know (laughs) well (laughs) i think not to put josh on the spot
0: here but i think there's a difference between like checking in because you've got something new you want to take out or like you know giving you ammunition is different than like you know bugging you for work right like you can't be like hey man i really need work like like what's (laughs) going on every single day for a month straight but like you can't be like, oh, I'm really excited about this thing. I'm following up with about these meetings that we just had that you set up. All of that sort of stuff. That's when you're in contact more typically, right?
1: Yeah, I think um, you know the the spectrum of stuff that we talk about when we're on any given phone call on any given day can be all over the place. Um, I think those. Those situations where people are calling representatives on a daily basis going, hey, I need a job. Hey, I need a job. Uh, I don't run into that all that often, but it's largely because with each of my clients, I have a pretty lengthy discussion as to strategy and what we're doing.
2: Right. Or not um, even like, hey, I need a job, but like, hey, I got like 10 ideas. Can I run them by you?
1: Right. Yeah, I think I think there's, there's a way that I we always try and structure those conversations that are – it puts us in a position to make each of those conversations more meaningful. So if someone has 10 ideas, it's best to set a time and mm-hmm. sit down and go through those things. Um, Cause quite frankly, you know, on any given day, there's a zillion things going on. If someone, uh, if I, if I happen to be on the phone with someone and they're like, Hey, I'm going to pitch you 10 ideas. If I haven't dedicated aside like an hour to spend with that person and really be thoughtful in my responses, they're not getting the, uh, the, the best service out of me.
2: Right. And so, I mean, obviously you've been a manager for a very long time and I think your client list, I mean, you're, you're just an EP on Heathers, right? Yeah. And you've done your clients. A lot of your clients are on writing staffs and things Mm -hmm. like that. But is it true that most managers have kind of like their regularly working writers and or, or clients and then more of their like developmental clients and and the client like that might be more like, you know, they had a script on the blacklist, but they don't have an income right now as a writer and they're working on their next feature. Like, is that something that you like? Do you have developmental clients and um, like, do you have different levels of clients like that?
1: Um. I definitely have have clients in different spots in their careers, um, and you know some some of them are people who are often working, and some of them have sold a number of things. You know, I work with a few people who you know, just are getting their first jobs or have had a job and they're looking for their next thing and or fighting the good fight of trying to get them whatever that opportunity is or develop the next project that we're going to take out um so yeah i have I have people across the spectrum um and i think i I think I'll always have people across the spectrum. I don't think I'm ever gonna age out of wanting to help a young writer whose voice I respond to find their first gig or sell their first project. I mean that's part of the it's part of the draw of yeah. being a manager. That's is... the
0: uh, the thrill of the chase. Yeah. Um, let's talk about that a little bit more, though, because I have a hunch that a lot of our listeners at home fall into that category of being lo- looking to break in a little bit more. What um, what do you respond to when you're reading a new writer? And, and even how do they approach you in the first place? Uh,
1: Their writer approach? Approaching.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, a writer or director, I guess. I, I right. guess. Yeah.
1: Um, I think that's a good question. Um, a lot of the stuff comes to me and I think if you look at my client list and, you know, look back at the projects that these people work on, a lot of my clients know one another um, and my business is sort of grown in this like weird kind of incestuous, mm-hmm. like everybody knows everybody. You
0: only have to go to one barbecue is what you're saying. Pretty much.
1: Yeah. 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 I, it's that, or you could interpret it as like, clearly I'm terrible at selling myself because <laughs> it's only people who know each other. that Right.
2: Keep, but it's like a referral business.
1: It's is a what referral you're saying. Business, yeah. Um, so a lot of the stuff that I read, um, when it comes in and it's someone who's younger, Almost all of those people are people that are being recommended to me, either by other clients or executives around town or, you know, agents calling to be like, look, this is somebody that needs some help and they're not quite in the place where they need an agent, but like, you know, if, if this is something you respond to, you should try and bring them along. Um, So almost all of it comes from referrals.
0: Gotcha so what does a person living in milwaukee do right now like like i'm i'm just i'm thinking my heart goes out to our friends or our listeners who are in most other of, markets most of who are in Mil- milwaukee, milwaukee right. sure, you guys are huge it. in milwaukee i want to i want to <laughs> make up our own like idealized version of like the the smaller market person like, but you know what i mean like the person who's just like you know grew up at a different town went to a different state and like maybe has a great idea for a TV show. Yeah, exactly. Is there anything they can do or, or is, is the answer come to LA and like meet? go your, to the right barbecue. Yeah. Yeah. Get the re- referral. Okay. Yeah. And, and that's okay if it, if that is the answer, but like, you know,
1: um, I feel
0: it's my duty to ask, right? No,
1: no, no. I think it's, I think it's a really good question. Um, yes, I think there's the, there's the Robert Evans, like go to the right barbecue, like be jumping out of the pool and somebody will put you in the pictures. Um, but I'm actually going to steal a line from one of your previous guests, Kevin Herrera, who answered this at one point. Um, it's not you know, a writer, director, actor's job to get a representative. Mm, it's sure. their job to make something great that then attracts a representative. Um,
0: Are you saying that they should just shoot it?
1: yes they should absolutely just shoot it I can't you. help myself <laughs> yeah, no, so was, it, was, it was well done <laughs> um, I particularly like the eyebrow <laughs> you no that's like, just Matt's eyebrow he has high uh,
2: yeah that's like what we always tell people yeah. is like if you are like desperately hunting for representation you probably do not need representation at this yeah. point yeah.
1: yeah I think I think you know you you guys I you know I looked over your resumes and it's you do you go make the thing or you go write the script or you you know create a podcast that attracts an audience that people start paying attention to um it's a creator's job to make great stuff and it's my job to find those people and help them to take the next step or you know sell their first project or you know
0: well then let me ask maybe another way of, of asking it then where do you find those people besides referrals? Is it, do you, are you scouting things and, or like or, a screenwriting or, competition or yeah. like this film person just won a award at yeah.
2: South Bay or something? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think, I think all those things are true. Um, I think stuff that comes up in competition, like, you know, I have a meeting tomorrow with some of the people from imagine impact mm-hmm. and, oh, cool. and, uh, you know, I've met with people out of film festivals, um, Another thing that happens from time to time is someone who works at our office or works with one of my clients or, you know, is friends with one of my clients will be like, hey, I just read this thing that you have to check out or like, let me send you this short or whatever. Um, What I've found is that great material tends to be eminently shareable um, and people want to, if they read something cool, they want to share it with their friends. I mean, the same way we all talk about like.
2: Matt talks about Hollywood viral. Yeah. This term which is like it doesn't mean it has 50 million views but it means that people in Hollywood the are right sharing it. Soft. Right. Yeah yeah. 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 yeah, yeah,
1: that's a nice way to put in that.
2: Um yeah, it's so so you're a partner at Underground. Yes. Um so I'm assuming you have some kind of you know, you and the other partners are are the old guard there but there's some younger newer managers would those managers take younger, newer, more developmental writers?
1: Yeah, I I mean, I think I, I like to think that I still take those people on if it's something that blows my hair back. He's still cool, man. Uh, yeah, yeah I'm still cool.
2: I'm on TikTok. No, but I guess there's this idea amongst, like, I think on our side of the equation, uh, that like hey i need i want like a new young manager that's super hungry that like hasn't sold anything that i can be the person they're spending like three hours of their day with instead of got off a desk and needs to
0: build out a roster or something yeah yeah yeah
2: like that's what that's like in our mind i don't even know if it's true but in our mind there's like this there's the new agent the new manager the new person that has like 20 empty slots and i'm going to fill one of those as opposed to your roster where it's like it's pretty hard to be number 26 on your list of 25 people, you know?
1: No, that that's fair. And I think there's something also, and I remember this from being a baby manager is like, I had something to prove. Like mm-hmm. sure. I, you know, I wanted to be able to bring in that thing where it's like, this is the new hot voice. Like this is a blacklist script. This, you know,
2: this You're in is more guy. of a discovery mode kind of. Yeah.
1: yeah. And I think with, with our colleagues at the company the people that I work with, um, It's definitely something that's highly. We're a very entrepreneurial company, and it's highly encouraged for people to be bringing stuff in. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I have a young woman in my office, Brianna, who's coming along, and I'm helping her to start scout for scouting for talent. She's sitting in meetings with me. She's you know in on the notes process. So you know, for me, it's important that the next generation of people that's coming up. We're you know, fostering their ability to go out and find clients as well.
2: And do you guys hip pocket people? Is that a thing that managers do?
1: I don't, um, I don't only because I, I feel like for me, I have to maintain a rule of either is either a hell yes or it's a no.
0: And just to clarify, hip-pocketing is kind of when you're, you're dating, you're not married, basically. Like, you're not officially signed. Maybe you haven't been taken around to the right. rest of the it's partners. It's like you
2: met someone at the barbecue yeah. that has, like, an amazing, like, desert uh, musical. Right. And <laughs> if you happen to see someone that's looking for, like, a musical that takes yeah, yeah, place like- in Sedona, you'll call this person up.
1: Yeah. I, I, um, I, I don't hip-pocket only because, you know, I... I do keep a hard and fast roll of like, mm-hmm. if it's not a hell yes, it's a no, um, only because I don't have the bandwidth for being, you know, halfway at.
0: Yeah. I like that also because that having been hip pocketed a couple of times, like there's less accountability. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? It can be like a little frustrating of and like, you do feel like you're kind of bugging a person. Yeah. Or even just like, it's, it's just unclear. You know let's just be straightforward one way or the other i think is a much nicer way to to go about it and i think that also hip pocketing is a thing that like happens a little bit more when you're younger and maybe a little more
2: you're you're thirsty not hungry right Right. well (laughs) i also wonder if like it's a con it's a term that is more used by the people that are hip pocketed and the people that are hip pocketing you know what i mean i did first hear it from a manager i was like i don't know what you're even talking about right but haven't you met a lot of people who are like yeah i'm kind of hip-pocketed at anonymous i'm hip-pocketed at uta <laughs> right. I'm hip-pocketed at caa and you're like yes, so yes. you know an agent at caa yeah. that if you got a job you can call them yeah, yeah, right, yeah right. right but they're not yeah. doing anything for you yeah. right yeah, that's right. kind that's of exactly what right. it is yeah, right yeah,
1: yeah and I, I like look i'm i'm sure that there's a version of that that works i'm sure there's a version that you know, helps get not, people.
0: That's a diplomatic question. Yeah, sure. I'm being diplomatic about it.
1: Um, it's, it's not, uh, it's not my stees, but it, again, largely because I only have so much bandwidth and if I'm going to do a thing, I'm going to, you know,
0: do it. I, I actually have a, a manager specific question that I personally think I know the answer to. Um, and it's probably the wrong answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so I, I kind of came up believing that managers have a very, very strict, no poaching policy. And that if you wanted to engage in a conversation with a different manager, you basically needed to leave your manager before engaging in any other conversation, that basically you're kind of off limits until you're free and clear. Would you say that's true or no?
1: Largely, yes, there in the management community, there is a culture of not poaching, and you know not everybody adheres to it a hundred percent of the time um but i I think as a community, we do try to be very very careful about not poaching someone else's clients, and it's largely because we You know, there's a real like there's a real feeling in the community of like, I need to be able to call X, Y, Z manager at all these different places and help to put together a project. Or, you know, if our clients are working together, we need to have you have to be able to work. Yeah,
0: gotcha. You can't burn bridges. That makes sense.
1: Um, And I think it's just kind of an acknowledged. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it goes to a larger, a larger thing that we've been kind of it goes to the hip pocketing thing as well like for me personally i take the management relationship incredibly seriously mm-hmm. um and as such i wouldn't do that to another manager um and i've been caught in situations where i meet with someone not knowing that they've uh-huh. had a manager and i have always sort of said like look you know one, I need to call your manager and apologize for taking this meeting. But two, also, like, you should speak with them if you're unhappy, if you're feeling that the relationship isn't working, you should speak with your manager and either find a way forward or part ways. So, I yes, the incredibly long-winded way of saying yes there's supposed to be a no poaching policy yeah
0: but i I like i mean i appreciate that because i think it's worth kind of explaining to people as well right because i think that um there's that anxiety that people have when you do finally sign with people and you're like oh finally i've got a team realizing that oh that's it's not going to work out can leaving them before you find new people feels ill-advised right like it's like it's almost like if you're leaving a job you know like we were raised with like that expectation of like you can't quit your job until you have something else lined up and so it sort of feels like that but because of this no poaching thing it makes it a little harder to actually get all of your ducks in a row um but that's just the way it works i guess you know
1: yeah, I can I can absolutely understand that fear. Um, and it is, you know, I think, for anybody in the creative business. It's a little scary to be out there without having a team around you to help whatever you're doing. Um, but I I would say when I've had clients who come to me and unfortunately they want to part ways with their agency, I have the same conversation with them in that space, which mm-hmm. is, you know, I think you need to give – you need to give your agency the the courtesy of calling them and saying, "Look, here's what my complaint is. Mm-hmm. This is what I feel like isn't happening, and give them a chance to course correct sure um, and if they can't course correct, maybe it is time to you know mm-hmm. go our separate ways. but I think look, I think we're all ideally a long time in this game, and how you treat people in those moments, I think matters Sure, without a doubt.
2: Yeah. Like, because we have this podcast and because we're filmmakers and because we've had managers and been between managers and really wanted managers. Um, I, I think at least I'm personally emotionally connected to this idea of like wanting to have reps because you know, a, a, I think there's this idea that you will get work through them. And B, there's this like giant validation that you feel like, oh, I'm a real filmmaker because I have a team, you know? Sure. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I, and I know you, you largely represent writers, but I, I think it's really the same thing with writers, writer, directors and directors. Uh, the harder thing about like strictly directors is they they don't originate as much of their own work as like a writer or mm-hmm. a writer director. Right.
0: Yeah, um, that's kind of that's the most important distinction, I would say. Yeah, it's like how much are you self-generating? Because I think all directors have to be writers and vice versa, right? Well, like you, you're directing
2: on the page, even if you're a writer strictly. Yeah, for sure. And, and but I but um, I told you before we started recording that I had, and i mentioned this on Jacob's episode too, my manager's episode, that he was my third manager, and my mm-hmm. first two managers, I, I, it was I was very young, and I got them through kind of. You know, I, I made this video that went ki- that went Hollywood viral, and I got a lot of calls, including from Trevor Engelson, like your business partner. Um, which, by the way, as an aside, I remember I had told him my friend had the script he should read, and he made my friend fill out a form and mail it to him uh, oh, before yeah. he sent the script in. Which I I think goes to what you were saying about just being trying to make the relationship formal. Yeah, um, because you just don't want to get into a position where you've someone thinks you stole their material in some way. Um, but anyhow, uh, I, my first two managers, my first one was kind of getting me work, in, like trying to set me up with her clients to do the type of work that I really didn't feel like was, I was interested in it at all. And I ended up finding these other managers that were making amazing movies and TV shows. And I was like, Oh, I want to be with them. And they managed to get, they sent me a couple really bad scripts. And then other than that, my relationship with them was like me calling them and saying, like, hey, I have a shoot. You guys should come to set. Uh, Or like, I have some ideas. I'd love to talk to you. And they'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they never, we never, they never came and we never talked. And I went to my lawyer who introduced me to them. And I said, what is the deal? Like, I have these managers. They don't want to talk to me about my ideas. They don't like want to come to my sets. They don't get me any work. Like, what is the deal like they're horrible managers and he's like no the problem is that you don't know what a manager does uh, <laughs> uh and he said like i went to his office and he sat me down he's like look a man you need to think of a manager as a salesperson and i, I hope this isn't offensive in anyway um he's like you generate material you write scripts you make shorts you do presentations decks or whatever you give it to them and they show it to people <laughs> that's that is like the relationship and it totally like rocked my world because I always thought of the reps. Like when you have a team and you have reps, they get you work. You've established to them that you're talented in some way and then they get you work. Um, at the time I didn't realize that actually most of the work and even if you look at the biggest stars and like a Seth Rogen or something, most of the work they get is like, they come up with ideas and they're taking it out to the world through their reps as opposed to their reps, bringing them ideas uh so I guess I'm curious, uh, especially since you've been doing this for a while and you have, you know, a lot of people that are working regularly, how much of the work that they get is, is being generated by them versus work that you're bringing them? And maybe even like you could think of this as the like company wide, right? Because like you said, you're
0: more focused on writers. So I assume mm-hmm. that, that most of the time is you know, but when you have when
2: you're on a TV staff, staffing. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think the answer to that it really depends on the manager. Um, For me personally, I think I am strongest in the arena of helping my clients develop their ideas, develop their scripts, um, and putting projects together to take it out into the marketplace. So I would say the sales part of my job is a bigger component. Um, And I think there are certain managers who are, You know, they're incredible at staffing Um, and that's their their day to day. They're on the phone, just constantly banging out calls, trying to put, you know, X client on Y show.
2: And how do they they show materials? Pretty much. They're like, hey, read a script for my client.
1: Yeah, they're showing materials. They're reaching out to showrunners, studio executives, network executives. Are Um,
2: they having their clients write anything specifically for this?
1: No, I, I, most of the time it's working off of samples. Um, you know, uh, you sign, uh, you sign a, say you sign a director off of a short film, um, and you want to put them into a movie that's an open directing assignment. You're reaching out to everybody that's involved with it saying, I have this, you know, this young director, he's done this awesome thing. You got to check it out. You got to meet with him. Um, and you send out that that short um, and then you're prepping the client to meet with these people with an eye toward getting them a job. Um, I think I spend more of my time on the sales part of, of the spectrum where I'm helping clients build out whatever they're developing and then take it out to, you know, at this point most of my business is TV, so I take it out to the TV market. Cool. Does that answer the question at all? Yeah,
2: no, it does. And I guess, like, what I'm the my what I'm getting at here again, just to remind people that like that that getting the rep isn't going to get you work. It's going to get you access to show your what your work to other people. It it is the the number one way you should think of it, and then you'll never be um, disappointed about how little work you're getting. (laughs) Right?
1: (laughs) Yeah. No. I think. I think. I think there's a there's a piece of that that's incredibly accurate is like you're looking to a rep to take the thing that you've created that is this, you know, special short or this script or whatever it is and get it into the right hands in the right rooms in front of the right people um, that it can go from whatever it is, so, you know, script or short or, I don't know, manuscript into possibly a tv show possibly a movie right possibly, possibly book a to job, job possibly a book to book. <laughs> possibly book to book you yeah. beat me to it right? <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> well so for my final kind of question that i want to ask you the big open-ended one is like what gets you excited like what like if if you met a writer that wrote a short film and a pilot of a show that is hard to sell like what what material gets you excited and makes you think like, Oh, I can sell this. Mm -hmm. Like I can't wait to send this out to people.
1: Oh, wow. I mean, that's,
2: and you can, it can be like, you know, I mean a a term we hear on the podcast all the time is like something that's undeniable, you know? Uh, So don't say that, please. (laughs) (laughs) Not undeniable, but like, is there something, and you can frame your answer in terms of like trends that you're seeing or what's exciting you right now or genres or what's like, how do you get, josh mcguire excited about material
1: um I, I won't say undeniable um it just creates something that's insanely great um what's what do you think is insanely great i don't know i was just trying to come up with something that's <laughs> as said, obnoxious oh, as, right. as <laughs> undeniable. <laughs>
2: it's undeniably, it's insanely, undeniably great. <laughs>
1: insanely great yeah
2: when i when our listeners send me their short films uh, or reels i usually just write back like this is not undeniable please <laughs> try again <laughs>
1: Uh, hard pass on the undeniability (laughs) um i think what i'm usually looking for is just that like excitement about reading a script or Mm -hmm. watching a short or seeing something um and i think the reason people use these like sort of generic things like insanely great or undeniable is because there's no like you can't really put yeah it's an x factor on it right yeah yeah it's like you just read something that you're like there's a voice here. There's something really cool here. And maybe it's this script or maybe it's just this writer's voice, but there's something about this that I am compelled to, you know, take this out of the stack of nine things that are in front of me and look further into it.
2: And how important is it to grab you in the first couple pages?
1: I mean, I'm, I'm a bad case study because I tend to, I tend to read things all the way through.
0: That is a bad case study. It's a bad case
1: study. <laughs> yeah. No,
0: but and very generous. That's good. I, I, That's I know, yeah. I know what you're asking though. And yeah, yes, yeah.
1: it's important to do it. Like I will give that note to people of, How, you know, if there's something in the first few pages that is not attention grabbing or this doesn't separate it from the pack
2: or confusing or cliche, right?
1: Right. Um, <laughs> or any of those things. I mean, it's, you know, I think I think it goes back to the like executives, um, agents, managers, lawyers, everybody in this business has a tremendous workload. Um, and when they're looking at a stack of nine or ten things that they have to read or you know nine or ten links that they have to watch, that can be daunting. Um, and so you do want to protect, you want to solve for how do I get people past the first few minutes of this or past the first 10 pages of this. Now, is it
2: true that if you use a swear word in the title and print your script on a a colored paper that you will be more likely to be read? (laughs) Well, who who is
1: printing scripts? Yes, I think it needs (laughs) to be a multicolored (laughs) page with all of the swear words on it. And you will definitely... Uh, uh,
2: Like Legally Blonde was originally... That's true. Fuck, legally blonde, <laughs> and it was printed on pink paper. Everyone knows that,
1: right? Um, I did. I did once change a spec title from "Seed" to "My Son Is the Antichrist," <laughs> and it it made a difference.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's fair. But well, it was so, it
1: was largely because it's just a better joke. If you,
0: yeah, that's
2: yeah, definitely. Yeah. Se- seed is a little. You don't get as much tone out of it, right? Yeah, Yeah. but you're also putting the voice into the title, which I think is why titles are so hard because you want to communicate so much with that title. I mean,
0: I think if you think of it that your agents and managers are the first audience members, right? Besides, like, sending it out to notes for your friends and peers and all that, your brain trust, like, you're the first person who's going to, like, consume it as, as an audience member. And so I think that in the same way that an, an audience needs to be excited and grabbed and hooked early on, just because you don't want to watch a boring movie or TV show, you know, it's the same sort of mentality. And so that seems like a little Hollywood or a little crass to be like, Oh yeah, you
2: got to get them early.
0: But like, that's just the way that entertainment works now. If it's and it a, kind of always has,
2: you know? Yeah. If it's a new writer, do you, is, does it bother you to have typos in the first page?
1: I don't, I don't stress that. Oh, really? It's not going to, that's not going to be the thing that throws me. I think if, uh, if my biggest complaint is that there's typos in it, then we're all having a very good day. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's funny.
2: I don't know why they bother me so much. Somebody sent me a couple short, He's like a new filmmaker. He's like, hey, he's like a family friend, like a friend of a friend of a friend was like, hey, can I talk to you about something? And I was like, sure. And he sent me, I talked to him on the phone. He told me he's writing some stuff. I was like, oh, if you want to send me like some of your short film scripts, I'll, I'll read them and you send them to me right away. And I mean, there it's just like typos galore on page one. And I'm well, like, if you're not paying attention to that, what else aren't you paying attention to? Right. Right. I guess I think, and I could be wrong about this, but I like perfectionists, you know, I like mm-hmm. detailed people. Um, and so I don't know that is like turns me off when there's typos.
1: Yeah. I think, I mean, like, look, I think it's, we're all putting content out there in the world. And like, I wouldn't want a piece of content that I've had my hands on out in the world with flaws in it. Um, So I'm hoping that they're, you know, taking care of typos and all that as well. But I do think that, you know, we are the very first, we're the very first representatives of the audience that are seeing this thing. And um, Gary Lucchese, who I worked with on Heather's, there's something that always struck Typo me. Typo King, Typo King, yeah. he's the king of typos. Yeah. Uh, the, Who I knew there
0: was a Z in Heather's. Right, <laughs> right,
1: right. right. Um, he always, when he was, when he would give notes, he'd always do it from the standpoint of um, the audience will. So he was always giving notes from the standpoint Mm -hmm. of this is how the audience is seeing things.
2: Right. The audience is not going to like how you bolded that slug line.
1: They're not going to understand this. They're not going to understand why, you know, the whole thing is misspelled. Why (laughs) is the whole thing misspelled? What I love
2: about that also, though, is that
0: it it feels less personal then, right? It's not like, oh, you did a bad job. Like the script your baby, it doesn't work. It's like, oh, no, this is a thing that we're all thinking about the audience. And that's separate from whether or not quantitatively you
2: are good or bad. Yeah, but you know? it's so subjective anyway, sure. right? Like I'm working on a script right now with somebody else and we're kind of just sending the final draft file back and forth and I'll see she like changed my line and I'm like, I feel like this makes no sense now and my line made a lot of sense. <laughs> and I'll t- send her a text and I'll be like, hey, um, don't you think this is a little easier to understand. But I mean, it's the same thing. She's it's saying, like, like, don't you think the audience would understand? She's like, no. Yeah. That's why I changed it. Yeah. pretty but, much. And that's I
1: think so that's, much that's a big too. part of my job as yeah. well is, you know, seeing pieces of material from creators and being the first one to see it. I, I'm not as deeply in it. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I haven't been sitting in yeah,
2: fresh eyes. right? Yeah. There. I haven't been, but sitting you must in the be Anaday good room. at dealing with egos.
1: Um, uh, I, I hope so you have
0: to be otherwise you would have quit right like
1: I don't know I'm not that bright I mean I might continue to show <laughs> sure. up if um no I think uh i i tend to not take I tend not to take anything that personally yeah. and I think it's also it's another responsibility that I have in my job of like keeping people's egos to a degree in check um and you know, a big piece of it is as a manager being a safe space. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, part of my job is being a professional punching bag because mm-hmm. um, I would much rather my clients take out whatever reaction they have to a note or to oh, you that's know, interesting. a yeah. casting decision or any of those things. I'd much rather them take that out on me mm-hmm. than in front of an executive or <laughs> a piece of talent right. or their entire writing staff, sure. you know.
2: Right. This might be too personal of a question, but do you ever take out material that you don't love? No. So you'll always be like
1: I, I can't. It, it goes in the same like category. If something doesn't
2: work for you, you're not going to show it to other people and say this is you should read this.
1: Yeah, it's uh, I think sort of the same way that that everyone wants a rep. like I I get reads on things because over the years people have come to respect Mm -hmm. what I'm sending out. Um, and I think to a degree, there's a little bit of, um, I also have a responsibility to the marketplace of not taking something out that I don't feel like is ready for the marketplace or. But you don't think
2: that's subjective in any way. Like if you're like your clients do a lot of like kind of adult comedy stuff. Right. Like if some, one of your clients was writing a kid's show or like a kind of B movie horror thriller or something. Yeah. How do you reconcile if a client, is really
0: passionate about making something that you're not as excited about
1: i'm i'm never afraid to say i don't know um and with a lot of those things like if someone came to me with a kids show my immediate answer would be i don't know um i just don't work in that marketplace often enough i don't know what's working and what isn't um, and if I say I don't know it's not the end of the road it just means I have homework to do mm-hmm. and it means I need to go out and talk to some buyers I need to talk to you know some friends that I have out there in the world or a, you know a number of different studios to find out the answers um I won't shoot something down just because I don't happen to know the answer to it but it definitely if it's something that i, really feel strongly is not something that I would want to put out in the marketplace. I won't take it out.
2: Right. I think it's when I went to see my manager a couple of times ago in his office, I saw he had a list on his wall of buyers. And it's funny because it's not something that like as a creator, writer, creator, director, I'm like thinking about that much, but it seems like and at the management level, that's kind of like your, Yeah. One of your like a plus B equals C, like (laughs) they're like the B
0: part of the equation. Yeah. Well, if I, if I walk in and I have a show that only goes to say two networks, right? That's a different conversation than if it works at six, you Mm -hmm.
1: know? Yeah. And I think, again, it's not, if something only works for two networks, it's not necessarily a no for me, it's just, we have to be more careful about how we put it together. Um, And if someone comes in and pitches me an idea that's nothing more than a log line that only works on one or two networks or one mm-hmm. network, a lot of times I'll encourage them to go in another direction because, you know, it's a very competitive marketplace. You want to put as many sharks in the water as humanly possible. And if there's only one shot with something, your odds just become so long. Sure.
2: Yeah. And you think it's as competitive today with like what seems to us like ten times more buyers than there were like five years ago. Like with all the streaming services, all the places that are coming together and separating, it it still seems hard to sell a show.
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's and it's an incredibly competitive marketplace.
2: I think especially as soon as you get re like
0: specific about an idea and you look at who you could possibly imagine would buy the show it it's still not that many places. Look, it's more than three networks, of course. Right. But like the odds that you have a great idea that works for like four places, maybe excluding like Hulu and Netflix, where so that are a little more agnostic, like it's it's pretty rare, right?
2: Right. But I guess now I think of like, so you think of Netflix had all these Disney movies and shows on it that now are not going to be there, and all these Fox, sh- like, and all these kids' things that. You know, Viacom is doing something like all of a sudden, at least in my mind, Netflix needs a bunch of kids shows. You know, it seems like it would be easier to sell them a kid's show now than when they had access to all these other. Sure. But that's still one network we're talking about, though. Well,
1: I also I think it's important for everyone to remember. And I remind clients of this pretty regularly is like go to Netflix on a Wednesday at 3 p.m.
2: I only go to Netflix on Saturdays. Well,
1: Saturdays too, but, <laughs> um, there, you know, you'll see 30 people in the lobby and they oh, will... the office you're talking about, yeah, not, oh my God. God. not the, not, not, on thing. My Sorry, TV. not the thing, <laughs> the actual like Netflix office on Sunday.
0: There's nothing worse than being a writer and you're waiting for your meeting. And then you look around and you see the other versions of you. Yeah. You know, there's right. like, oh, like there's... oh, Warby Parker. <laughs> it so, is rote. so demoralizing <laughs> and then you see the other members of their team and like you know there's the guy in the suit and it's just like yeah and that's why you gotta wear a cool backpack yeah. and cool shoes and a cool jacket yeah I, I, I recently i remember just thinking i saw a guy and i was kind of not sizing him up but you know having that moment and then he picked up a keyboard and i just thought oh i'm glad i'm not him I don't have to like lug around a fucking musical. Instrument. Oh, like he was gonna play a, a song he was in his pitch. Like
2: pitch, some musical, yeah. something or other, to somebody in that building. I, I was oh. at the lobby there to pitch, and I was like fixing my hair in the mirror, and then I realized it was just like a guy that looked exactly like <laughs> me. We were even pitching the same time travel show. Um, yeah. sure. So, what's uh? Can you sell a TV show just off a script and a pitch nowadays, or do you need more than that?
1: I think you can, uh, it drastically increases your chances of success. If you have more than that, if you do have a package built around it, um,
2: which is like a showrunner or sorry, an actor yeah, a or... package
1: being, you know, having multiple elements involved in it, whether it's an actor or a director, uh, a big producer, um, a showrunner, um, any of those things. It does make it exponentially easier to sell a show having those pieces in place. And I can tell you that the first or second question I'm going to get after, you know, what's the show, who's the writer, what's the thing, is who's going to be the showrunner. Um, Because there's just – there's not – a lot of people who have that skill set. Mm-hmm. And, and they don't
2: they don't love the answer.
1: Anyone you want. <laughs> right, right, right. Anyone you want that's available and doesn't have their own show right now. Um, yeah, I you know T V show on the low end, twenty million dollar investment and there's not a lot of people that they feel confident feel at. confident in putting, you know, here's twenty million dollars, go deliver us ten episodes or something. And when you and say that's on like the low end,
2: end you mean like cable like a True TV TV show?
1: I think True's budgets start somewhere in, it's like 700 750 an episode. Um, but yeah, I mean, anywhere between True and the streamers do low-end shows in that price point. You know, There's a, there's a lot of places where your first-year budget is going to look somewhere in that neighborhood.
0: Right. I want to, so... Let's just kind of in the process of all of these conversations, or this stepping through things. Let's pretend, you know, you've found a client and they've cleaned up their their screenplay so that it doesn't have any typos, and you guys both love it. And it's now we got it's a time. bunch of swear words in it's the got, title. It's, it's got a, a pink cover sheet, very with a colorful yeah, yeah, it's it's like cover page. It is ready though, like yeah. you know, match made in heaven. Um, and it's time to start taking it out. Walk us through those steps. What do you do?
1: So, sorry. You're you're asking if we I'm
0: saying basically that we in the in the life cycle of like uh, signing someone and mm-hmm. developing a project together. Like a TV show or a feature. Yeah, let's do a TV show. But you said that's the majority of your business. It is now. Yeah. yeah. So like what what does a manager specifically do in that sort of process?
1: Well, for for any project, one thing that I think I do and the the people at my company we tend to do uh, before we take anything out is we are going to those end users um, you know be it Netflix or FX or the buyers know, uh, any one of the buyers and saying you know I have this thing that I'm putting together it's from you know this writer for me it's important to always go out and ask the question of is there anything that I can be doing to make this an easier thing for you to say yes to and um, Is there anything that you guys have that's competitive that would make it impossible for you to step up on this? Um, You know, finding out all those things, because a lot of times what they're going to tell you is, no, it's all execution-dependent. Just bring the thing in, and if we like it, we'll do it. But... Bring Every, the
2: thing in, meaning like bring in the pitch,
1: bring in the pitch, bring in the script, whatever it
2: is. Yeah, we'll we'll say no
0: after you've pitched we'll say, your heart we'll out.
1: We'll <laughs> say no after we've given you a free bottle of water. Yeah, and just as
2: a quick aside or detour, a pitch is mainly somebody talking in a room to yes. you. There isn't a lot of additional materials aside from describing the show.
1: Um, there. It can be anything from someone just talking for 15, 20 minutes to someone talking with visuals that go along with it. Um, Sometimes it's hard copy visuals of like, you know, we've done these pitch boards in the past. A lot of it is stuff that we're doing uh, with images and stuff uh, projected onto screens in the room to help give some context to whatever the writer's talking about. Um, But yeah, before we... We bring in the script or pitch or whatever. We call those end users and ask them the questions of like, what is it we could possibly do to make this easier for you to say yes to? Um, And is it putting a director on it? Is it a showrunner? Is it someone that you have a producing deal with? Um, Would having a studio on this be helpful? All of those things. Um, And say nine out of 10 of them, say it's just execution dependent, just bring us the project and we'll say yes or no. Every single time we do this, we get one piece of information that I would not have previously counted on or thought of that can be the difference maker. Um, You know, we sold a a feature thing a few years back um, to Fox and it came off of Fox telling us that they had a deal with a director that they needed to buy stuff for. And then if we brought it in through them, it would make a big difference. Mm And we ended up selling it in a huge bidding war.
2: That's awesome. Congrats. Well, cool. Well, so my final show to end our interview with, unless Matt has something else. No, I'm good. good. Is you're a new writer. You just moved to LA. Maybe you made some shorts, maybe even wrote a feature, indie feature that was made. You're here. What's, uh, what would Josh McGuire advise you to do? You have a, a your nephew's best friend just moved to LA. She's, you know, finished film school. She wrote some shorts. What's uh, she calls you and says, "What should I do now?" Well, what she's cheating
1: because she has a direct into to me. I mean, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, if it's somebody who who just moved out here, um, my advice to people who are coming out here and just getting into it. It's, you know, get out there in the world and meet as many people as you possibly can. Like, at that stage in your career, there is no bad meeting. There is no bad introduction. Like, you'll have 150 introductions that turn into nothing, and then one that turns into you're getting your script or your short or whatever in front of Mm -hmm. one set of eyes. And, you know, there's probably going to be 18,000 additional barriers to entry after that but i i think don't be don't be shy about your work don't be shy about getting out there in the world and building your community
2: and when you say meet people you don't mean like call up an agency and have a meeting, you mean like go to a film festival, go to a party, go, go to a mixer, go to a barbecue. Yes. Yeah. Go, to a barbecue.
1: Yeah, go, yeah. go to a barbecue. Go to a barbecue. I mean, I think I love barbecues, I guess I you're know, really I, into it. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah I'm vegetarian. Have you heard of uh, a <laughs> fast <interference>? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think, uh, I think all of us, once you've been here for a while, you come up in a community and I think that's, that's what you're looking to build is like a lot of the people that I'm closest with on the executive side We've been friends since we were assistants. Mm-hmm. Um, and over time, we've kind of cultivated that relationship. I think the same thing is true for writers, directors, actors. Um, you know, I think you want to be out there in the world building your community.
2: Cool. Awesome,
1: man. Well,
2: wow. well, awesome. Well, thanks for talking to us, Josh. Josh. Of course.
0: Um, can we hop into unpaid endorsements?
1: Yes, please. Unpaid endorsements.
2: We had Natalie Metzger on. The podcast. She is a producer. And she had told us that she likes to, to congratulate people when that she sees good news about them. So let's write a, a quick email and say congrats. And then um, I was like, I never do that because I just feel like I'm bugging someone. Like, oh, probably a million people are saying congrats to that person. And then yesterday I was on Deadline and I saw uh, this guy. I know he created this show. And there was an article about it in Deadline. And I wrote to him. And I don't know him that well. And I was like, Hey, congrats on the show. I just saw the trailer on deadline looks amazing. You know, congratulations. And then he wrote back, he's like, Whoa, wow. That was like so nice of you to say. And I was like, Oh my God, this totally works. So my, (laughs) my advice is go to deadline, find someone, you know, that has an article about them and just write them an email and say congratulations. Perfect. That's my endorsement.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, I'm, I'm going to piggyback on your endorsement. Um, I think, emailing and calling people to say congrats is a huge one um also
2: it's so weird that like literally until last week when we interviewed natalie i thought that was like an annoying thing to do like I, i asked her i was like that's like saying happy birthday to someone on facebook when it's like you're getting all these happy birthdays from people you don't know and she was like it's not the same
1: if you guys see my name written literally anywhere, please call me and say congrats. Like, <laughs> <All> right, you, <laughs> you can be called the side of
0: You don't mind a phone call? You like a phone call?
1: I don't mind a phone call. I probably will be slower. I mean, sure. for you yeah. guys, I'll get back immediately. Sure. But like, <laughs> you know, shoot me a text, shoot me an email. Yeah, yeah. But like, I think saying congrats is a really big one. Also, uh, another rule that I learned, uh, I was given when I was a baby manager, is always be the first phone call when someone gets fired. So when someone loses Mm. their job, their show gets canceled, something along those lines happens. Always be the first phone call.
2: I mean, what do you say? I'm sorry. Chin up. Stop crying.
1: (laughs) I'm sorry that this happened. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Hollywood. (laughs) Welcome to life in the NFL. I know you pick up the phone, you call them, and say, "Look, that sucks. I'm sorry. Can we grab coffee? How can I help?"
0: Oh, yeah, wow. That's great. How can I help? And
1: they're like, so, uh,
2: do you have a couch I can sleep on? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> no, but Are I you know these two guys. Uh, right? <laughs> <laughs> and just to,
2: just to provide a counterpoint, um, I have a LinkedIn account that I never check, but I created probably like 20 years ago. I don't know, whenever LinkedIn started. And three days ago, I just started getting all these messages on LinkedIn from people I barely know or that I worked with like 20 years ago. And I logged into LinkedIn and everyone's like, congrats on your work anniversary. <laughs> and it's, that's like, cause I incorporated, I changed the info to say like sure. my company, I don't know, whatever yeah. I did. So on some arbitrary day, now I'm getting all these messages. And I'm like, it's really this is so meaningless. Um, <laughs> but so the LinkedIn congrats on your work anniversary and the Facebook happy birthday. Not that you shouldn't do it, but it's different than what we're talking about. Just want to say that.
1: Yeah, I, I I agree. But the the email of, hey, congrats on, like, just forward the deadline link. Hey, congrats on this is it's really nice. It's a good move. Yeah. Yeah. It. Solid move.
0: Well, I've got a real uh, weird one for you guys. I'm always looking for good music to write to, right? Like, a, I, there's a very specific criteria if I want it to be like. Um, yeah, like songs about writing. Songs about writing. Yeah. So, like, I'm writing right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have to sing them as well. Uh, no, no. I like uh, stuff that's like orchestral but like not no lyrics no lyrics ideally something that like isn't going to be too slow but that has some real movement to it as well because that's what spotify
2: like they have their like focus study like those playlists i feel
0: like those playlists actually miss the mark for me but um but uh, film scores tend to be really great um because they naturally have a lot of different emotions and movement to them anyway and uh i've been into the shin godzilla or and basically any Godzilla movie is or music is like, especially interesting to write to. It's like, it, it's not always, it's not going to work for like your you love, know, poems. love poems or like, you know, <laughs> a heart wrenching scene, but it's all, those scores are all kind of legendary. They're so weird. They put you in a really weird space and like, they're not super distracting. Like you can really kind of end up in like a flow, like trance, like state with them. And so, uh, shin godzilla which is a relatively new one and has more modern um instrumentation but like the original godzilla soundtrack is a masterpiece as well
2: cool yeah and how do
0: we listen to these on spotify
2: okay cool
0: yeah weird well, i know guys sorry <laughs> yeah no you but ruined the show man. try it out everybody
1: no it sounds awesome. yeah. No, i do drive around listening to film score in my car so okay. that'll be i'll, I'll add oh, it to yeah i yeah it's a great way to get around town because you're just like it yeah. Something about it just makes being in traffic like slightly less obnoxious. Well, and you have a moment
0: with your thoughts as well. You know, like I think. I our, don't like that. Our time is I, filled with like. i like brushing to my teeth and reading like New York Times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like when you need to be creative, sometimes you have to flush all that stuff out. Mm-hmm. You know, like I I try to do the dishes in the middle of the day now so that I just am thinking about like a story beat while I'm doing something productive, but not writing and like not on my phone.
2: Right. Um, I remember a eating, dishwasher. Yeah, yeah, I remember years ago, hearing like that Justin Timberlake was listening to all this like rap and hip hop while he was driving, and he kept getting speeding tickets, and so he changed what he listens to to like classical, like kind of slower classical music and he was yeah. driving much safer Well, <laughs> apologies for all of the speeding tickets when you listen to the Godzilla score on the drive home
1: I'm sending them all to you <laughs> um,
2: well Josh if people want to find out more about you or Underground do you tweet is there like a website people should check out I
1: don't know uh, where mean, do they I'm, send
2: their scripts
1: I'm terrible at, at being on social media um, but they <laughs> keep an eye on Deadline is basically the only place that you're going to see it.
2: um Cool. you have a page on imdb pro you i check do that have out. a page on nice imdb page. pro
1: um yes i do i'm on there
2: i like what you did with like the fonts and the title treatments well yeah Pretty i cool. mean
1: did you see my cover page it's just so many colors
2: <laughs> yeah that's how i recognized you <laughs> when you drove by the house <laughs> Um, well, cool. If you want to find out more about what we talked about uh, or send us a note, we are justshootapod at gmail.com. If you want to find out more about uh, anything we talk about, uh, we're on all social media at justshootapod. I'm on Instagram at O. Kaplan. And I'm at Mr. Madden, though This episode was edited by Jonathan Luna. Our
0: webmaster is Ewan Williams, and the music you're listening to right now is by the artist Jazar and was provided by the Free Music Archive.
2: Rate us on iTunes, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks, everyone. Bye.
1: Bye. Thanks, guys.